Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. Hello, hello, hello. Well, I'm sure most of you watched it. We had two championship games yesterday, of course. And the Falcons and Patriots are going to be meeting in Super Bowl 51, which I think is going to be an exceptional matchup. I'm excited to break it down for the next two weeks. However, I thought Atlanta Green Bay was going to be an exceptional matchup. And I thought the Steelers and Patriots was going to be an exceptional matchup. And really... As has been the theme of pretty much this entire playoff slate this year, not competitive games. I mean, Steelers-Chiefs was competitive. Packers, although the Steelers didn't score a touchdown in that game. Packers-Cowboys uh, was highly competitive, although it looked like a blowout to start. And basically every other game we saw this, this playoffs have been a bummer. It's been over more or less at halftime. And... If that's the case, you know, we'll start with the NFC game. It happened first. Kind of take it from the top here. And I wish we could break these down a little more, but, I mean, one team just beat up on the other in both. And, you know, all the receivers dressed, as did Morgan Burnett, and that includes Julio and Nelson and Adams and a bunch of guys that weren't 100%. Wouldn't have known it from Julio. Um, the Packers receivers didn't do Rodgers any favors. Uh, I give Nelson a lot of credit for getting out there and, you know, playing with a, a Kevlar jacket. And, you know, that's great. You know, and he did a couple of things. But man, injuries were certainly a theme for the Packers. Um, it's been a long stretch for them. They haven't had time off and they were getting beat up in this game and people were falling left and right and people weren't that healthy to begin with. Um, is that why they lost? No. You know, I'm just stating some things here that happened. And the same thing will be true in the AFC game. I mean, obviously the better two teams won and won handily. But there was other aspects that happened here too. Um, you know, Atlanta's opening drive. A couple big third down conversions. You know, Ryan used everyone <laughs> as usual as the theme went on. Shovel pass to Sanu for a touchdown against a three-man rush. And this is crazy. I mean, to make it seven nothing, you know, in that play right off the bat, the eighth straight game with an opening drive touchdown by the Falcons. I mean, let that sink in for a while. Eight games in a row. The first time they touch the ball, they get a touchdown. I mean, it's either seven nothing or seven seven after your first possession or seven three or whatever. But you're not losing, and you're probably up seven. That's unbelievable, and I don't know this for a fact. I mean, obviously Shanahan's getting all sorts of accolades and credit right now, which he deserves every bit of, the offense coordinator for the Falcons. I don't know if he scripts plays or not. You know, I mean, I wonder how much uh, of that is derived from what he comes up with entering that game. I, I don't know those answers. I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about it. As the Super Bowl coverage goes crazy. Sorry, I got a big yawn there. Sorry about that. Oh, well. Okay, Deion Jones came free on an interior blitz. 
Um, you know, that's not, they're not a big blitzing defense at all. This is, you know, whenever uh, Rodgers was trying to counter down 7 nothing On a third down, I mean, the Falcons are not a big blitz team, but they, and we'll get to this, but they blitzed a lot in this game and were highly aggressive with their game planning. Um, but on third down, he comes free, and that was a theme too. The offensive line didn't pick these things up. Rodgers didn't, you know, see the blitzes come as well as you would think. Pack, pack then setters for a field goal attempt, and they miss it. So they're down 7 nothing, even though they got down close and were driving going into there, going into the end zone. Um, and then Sanu is showing up really early on, but Atlanta stalls in the red zone. They settle for a field goal. But it's 10 nothing, pretty much, you know, really early in this game. And then I thought Rodgers was really looking good, you know, and the pack was driving, and I thought, okay, this is going to be a shootout. The, the Packers are going to score here. They'll, they'll rebound, get their head above water, and then Ripkowski fumbles. You know, Jalen Collins rips the ball out and into the end zone, touchback. Oh, you know, and, and before you know it, it's like, oh, man, it's 17-0 before you know it. Ryan delivering under pressure, scrambles for the next Atlanta touchdown by himself, 17-0, and it's like, oh, man. I mean, this Packer defense can't stop anything. You know, and it, it, obviously the beginning of the game – couldn't have gone worse for them. I mean, they had two red zone possessions, Green Bay did, with a missed field goal and a fumble. Unbelievable, you know. <laughs> um, Rodgers then throws an interception about the two-minute warning on third and 21. That was basically a punt, though. You know, you look at the box score and say, oh, Rodgers threw an interception. That was basically a punt. It really didn't matter. But and then the Falcons capitalize on that and make it 24 nothing at the half, you know, with a great... It wasn't a fade, but it was a back shoulder type of throw where Julio contorted in the end zone uh, against Gunter. And that, I'm sure as you will recall, is a theme. Julio against Gunter did not go well for the Packers. Uh, the fact that they have to put... I, I feel bad for Gunter. I mean, he had to go against what? He had to go against Odell, Dez, and then Julio. And Julio is the best of all those guys. Julio, I think, is the best receiver in the league, by the way. It's easy to say that after this, but he's so much more... You know, so much bigger and physical than Brown and Beckham, who I think are the other two that are in that conversation. But Julio was amazing in this game. Didn't look the slightest bit injured. Was an utter superstar. Dominated Gunter basically start to finish. Um, but they, they had over 300 yards. They were up 24 nothing at the half with over 300 yards of offense. Uh, the Packers' defense was on the field a huge amount in the first half. Micah Hyde gets hurt, too. I mean, the secondary can't afford to lose anybody. And, you know, they're, they're losing quality players there. It, it's nuts. So, needless to say, things are not going so well for the Packers at this point. <laughs> and it didn't get a heck of a lot better. Uh, to start the second half, I mean, the first half was miserable. Uh, the start the second half, the Packer does nothing with the first drive. And then Julio puts on a show for a 73-yard touchdown. It's 31-0. to zero. I mean, obviously the route is on. It's been on for a long time. And at that point, you know, it, it really didn't matter what happened from that point on. Um, a lot of Packer injuries, like I said, coming into this game. The, the receivers, I don't think, did their, did their uh, due diligence. You know, where was Randall Cobb in this game? Nelson and Adams were both banged up, but they didn't help their quarterback nearly enough. Um, it, it couldn't have really gone worse, you know, and we saw a lot more man coverage. 
Um, at least, I mean, without watching the, the coaches' film, it looked like a lot of man coverage for an Atlanta defense, and we're seeing more of that. That's interesting, you know, that um, both Seattle and Atlanta with similar schemes have gone to more man coverage. I think as the league is starting to figure out the Seattle cover three a little bit more, too. But this certainly was not Rodgers' best game, that's for sure. I mean, he was not very sharp. A lot of underthrows. Um, under way more pressure than I anticipated. And he was hit a lot. He was constantly under pressure. A lot of offensive line changes and shuffling. And at one time, guy on the defensive tackle had to play guard. <laughs> and that's obviously not going to go well. And I mentioned his receivers didn't help him. I thought Cook played okay. He's an upcoming free agent. We're going to talk about that in a minute here too. But man, he was under a lot of pressure. Atlanta blitzed a lot, as I mentioned, which they are not, you know, usually going to do. I mean, bring in slot blitzes, pull the slot corner. He played well. A lot of stunts, too, which is something they do do a lot. A lot of Beasley's sacks over the the, the year have come out of stunts. But, man, I mean, I don't know what else you think you have have to say about this game. I mean, it was a total blowout. I thought Daniels played pretty well for the Packers. But other than that, I mean, their secondary was totally overmatched. Uh, Rodgers was not Superman, and his supporting cast was anything but. They didn't have any kind of run threat. Atlanta was phenomenal. You know, their line was great. The the Ryan-Julio combination was phenomenal. Sanu was a big-time player. But the defense is what was most shocking. I mean, all of us, you know, thought that this was going to be a big-time shootout. And it was on one side of the ball, but uh, that's... (laughs) Not the case on the other side. And you're, you're so dependent. We might, t- tomorrow, I'm going to write an article for the score tonight about Packers offseason. You know, if I'm GM, what do I do? That might be all we talk about tomorrow. But it, it, there's a theme here that you're so Rogers dependent and he's so amazing, but they don't help him as much as other teams do, you know, with their quarterback. And I don't know if you have to reevaluate what you, how you run things. I mean, obviously they got very far, but if he's not phenomenal, they're not going to beat upper, upper tier teams. And that's asking a lot. I mean, the league where, where guys get banged up and you know, how often are they going to be at, at, you know, Superman level. But Great run by the Packers, obviously. Atlanta is a force to reckon with. I don't have a lot else to take out of that game. So, let's move on. Napa it takes a lot to get excited about a bag. But most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. The AFC was a little more competitive at least early on. But in the end, I mean, the Pats crushed the Steelers as they so often have. Uh, Brady was fantastic. Steelers defense was no match for him in the passing game at all. Um, Let's just kind of do what we did with the Packers here too and kind of just start from the beginning. Even from the coin toss, this had a a little bit of a different feel to it. The Pats won the toss and they received the kickoff, which they never do. You know, I mean, it's funny because I never think of those things, but I was asked on local radio here 
if you win the kickoff, what would you do? Would you take, you know, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I mean, if you win the, the coin flip, what would you do? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't give it any thought. And then I, you know, while I was on the air on that radio station, I thought, well, Belichick always wants the ball to start the second half. So I would do that just because that's usually taking him out of his comfort zone. But anyways, they won the toss and decided to receive. It was like, that's odd. But they were chomping at the bit, apparently, of we're going to tear the Steeler defense apart, this zone scheme. I can't wait to do it. And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, they uh, they received the kickoff. They come off throwing, uh, uh, you know, throwing pass after pass, hardly running the ball, picking the Steelers apart, settle for a field goal on fourth and one when it felt like, man, they're going to score with ease here. Uh, three nothing game right off the bat, and they they were playing you know at a pretty high pace, finding holes and zones. Their second drive was really impressive too. Bang bang, Brady just picking apart, run after catch, zone opening, you know ten nothing, and then Bell goes out with a groin. And uh, um, I mean I had said something on Twitter like yeah that was a huge deal, and people got mad at me you know like. Well, we didn't have Gronk, and, you know, like, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, or, or, and I'm not saying the Steelers would have won if Le'Veon Bell would have been himself and healthy. But what I said and what I thought is, boy, the Steelers got so much easier to play against when he went out. You know, if you're game planning all week of how do we take Bell out of this equation, or do we take Bell, or do we double Brown, or what do we do against those two major, major threats – well, now all of a sudden, you know, you can scrap all that and be like, well, we're just going to pound on AB. And if D'Angelo Williams beats us, especially when we're up 10 nothing, so be it. Um, and then the Steelers, I mean, have been so levy on Bell dependent lately. Sure, you can run the same plays and Williams is a good backup. But the, the pass threat certainly wasn't there uh, from the running back position. And, you know, Bell's obviously just a lot better than Williams. But... Uh, after Bell went out, though, I mean, it was a short, controlled passing game, and the drive finished with D'Angelo Williams to make it six, you know, 10-6, and then they missed the extra point. But at that point, you're thinking, okay, Steelers should be able to move the ball. Bell's a loss, but, you know, th- th- maybe this will be a lot of points here in this game. Ben looks good. Um, Brady's just, a, you know, the next time out, he's just dissecting this zone coverage. And then he hits Hogan with the flea flicker, which... It was a thing of beauty. I mean, Hogan had a huge game in this one, a lot after the catch. But he ran free through these zones, as did Edelman, but especially Hogan, over and over and over. I mean, the Steelers' secondary and coverage were just far too giving. They looked overwhelmed. They looked young. They looked bright-eyed, you know, that they couldn't handle the, the pressure here. I mean, even when the Steelers rushed three, which was often, they dropped eight quite a bit. And there still were huge soft spots in zones. Um, on that flea flicker, Mitchell bit way too hard. Free safety. He's an interesting player because he's a free safety in the Steelers scheme, but he almost plays more like a strong safety. I mean, everyone, he's known as a big hitter, a physical guy, sort of an intimidator, which is rare for safeties nowadays. But he can be a little too aggressive from a free safety level too. And, and we saw it th- there. That was something, obviously, that the, the, pa- the Patriots saw throughout the week in film study was... This dude will bite. He did, and boom. I mean, they hit him over the top. And at that point, it was like, boy, the Steelers are in for a long day. Um, I thought Ben was really sharp. You know, he did throw an interception to Hayward Bay, but, I mean, Hayward Bay never even looked for the ball. I mean, 
Antonio Brown got banged around in this a lot. He didn't play bad, but he had a tough, tough uh, slate, I think, especially once Bell went out. And it became pretty apparent that, boy, they could use Martavis Bryant or something along those lines, or even Ladarius Green. Um, I thought Ben was really sharp. I mean, Coach, on that first drive, I mean, they, they, they go for it. Third and one, they throw a bomb to Coates. It hits him in the hands. He drops it. I mean, unbelievable. He has another drop in the end zone. Hamilton has two drops. Kobe Hamilton, just those guys did not help the cause at all. I, I mentioned Hayward Bay not getting his head around. So Steelers took shots to guys other than Brown, one-on-one coverage, and those guys did not help at all. And this game goes differently, and certainly Ben's line would look a heck of a lot different stat line if those guys could actually haul in some nice throws from Ben that when he took shots. But that wasn't the case. A big play here was, you know, they got Jesse James um, rumbling. It looked like he scored. They called it a touchdown. Then they brought it back, put it on the one-yard line, which was the right call. D'Angelo Williams goes backwards twice in a row. Incomplete pass. You know, they try a fade to Kobe Hamilton. Oh, my Lord. And settle for a field goal. You know, huge example of leaving points on the field. And the Steelers did that a lot. I mentioned, you know, the big plays that they dropped. Uh, in this case, you get a field goal when you're down on the one or you're almost in. But it was only 17-9 at that point. You know, I mean, it, the game was not out of reach. It, it looked like the Patriots were clearly the better team, but the game was not out of reach if you're Pittsburgh. Um, but if you had, if you're the Patriots, you had to feel awfully confident, in, you know, in your in where you're at at this point. Um, no penalties or turnovers in the first half. And, and from what I recall, I think there was only two or three penalties called the entire game. Um, but the Steelers missed opportunities. The loss of Bell was big. I mean, just especially just from the, the Pat standpoint. It's like, boy, it makes it a lot easier to to, to scheme up against them. Um, Brady picked apart their zone defense. It just looked young, underwhelmed, you know. And, you know, you, it, this is the halftime, including the playoffs. This is another unbelievable stat. It's even more unbelievable than the Falcons scoring, you know, that many touchdowns in a row to start games. But the Patriots are 94-1. and one. 94 and 1. There's a 95 game, you know, selection here to pick from, including the playoffs in Gillette Stadium when they're leading at home. 94 and 1 when they're when they're leading at halftime, I'm sorry, at halftime. So, at home in this building since this building was created, including the playoffs, when they're winning at halftime, they've only lost once and they've won 94 times. We'll make it 95. You know, they <laughs> they went on to to put the Steelers away. Um, there was some controversy early in the second half on the Brady sneak fumble. Um, it did look like the ball came out. Uh, the announcers kind of screwed that up and then they corrected it later. Uh, Jim Nance, I think said basically it was a clear recovery by the Steelers and was the ball out or not. Um, and then they, the refs never exactly said that. So, uh, then they end up driving a field goal. They're up 29 at that point, 22, nine, two, zero to nine. Um, same type of drives we've seen all, all night though, you know, dominant ending, you know, the next time I get the ball, uh, with a blunt touchdown with blunt, you know, really starting to command things and see their defense have been on the field at that point it's 27 to nine. And it's pretty much over at that point. You know, the, the, the Pats had a very, very impressive performance. I thought the Steelers defense was 
remarkably bad, though. That that was so easy on Brady. And a lot of that's his ability, obviously, at the line of scrimmage. And just, he kills zone, and he kills the Steelers anyways. But, man, I mean, you can't let those guys run that free. They got very little pressure on Brady. Um, a lot of impressive things, though, from the Pats, from the Patriots. And they were really good against the run. They played a lot of a 5-1 front. Basically played it like those five defensive linemen with one linebacker behind them, Hightower. And Branch and Brown really were impressive. You know, they were winning their one-on-one battles. Uh, interior run lanes weren't there. Those guys were clogging things up. Powerful players. And that's going to be a problem for the Falcons. We'll get to that later, too. But they're, the Falcons' guards are questionable. Steelers are much better at guard than, than Atlanta. Um but very little pass rush from the Steelers, too. I thought the right side of the, the Pats line in particular stood out. Cannon and Mason. Mason, to me, is their best offensive lineman. And both of them are much better players than they were a year ago. Arrow's very much pointing up. That's become a real strength. I thought the Pats tackled really well. I thought their offense was excellent after the catch. And some of that was because the zones were so giving. Yeah, amazing. Um Butler did a great job on Antonio Brown. I thought that the, the those guys were really physical with the Steelers receivers overall. I don't know if you remember, but the Steelers were down. I think this was after James, Jesse James, didn't quite get in the end zone, and they ran twice. Yeah, that was the play. They ran twice with D'Angelo, lost, lost, and so it was like third and five or whatever when they would start it out basically on the goal line. And this was the, the pass to Hamilton, which is not the best idea to, to begin with. And they, uh, you know, Jesse James is going over the middle, and he just gets laid out. So I thought the Patriots were very physical with the Steelers receivers overall. Um, I'd mentioned there's hardly any penalties, and this is not me whining about things, but I think that benefited the, the Pats in terms of banging around receivers. There were a lot of calls on both sides, but more so I thought from the Pats' D um, with physicality on receivers. But that wasn't being called, so that's how you should play it. That's great. Um, they were clearly the better team, though. Their defense was quite impressive. Their offense was unstoppable. And, you know, just a really well-coached, mentally tough team, as always. I still think that they're not super talented, you know. I mean, but, man, I mean, their game plan was tremendous. Steelers made it too easy on them on defense. But how about this stat, too? Brady versus Tomlin. You know, all, all the times that they have met. Guess what his t- touchdown-to-interception ratio is against Steeler teams coached by Mike Tomlin? 22 to 0. He's never thrown a pick against a Tomlin coach team, and he has 22 touchdowns. That's insane. Um, the Patriots own the Steelers. They have for years. It's a tactical matchup nightmare for such a zone-heavy defense. That goes back to LeBeau. Um, Brady was masterful in this one, and uh, Patriots-Falcons is going to be a good one. I hope. I mean, I thought these last two championship games would be good ones. So, I'm not sure what our plan is for the rest of the week. I will figure things out and let you know. I'm crushed with articles and things at this juncture, but I will get back to you very shortly with that. Tomorrow, we might just break down the whole Packers situation. I'm kind of excited to do that. I would like to do that with every team during the offseason, but that one's fresh on my mind, and I'll be writing an article tonight, so that might be tomorrow. All right, take care. Over and out. Napa know how. It-
takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 31